Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It is Monday, the 17th of May. Tom Tilly, joined by Katrina Blouse. Hey, Katrina. Hey, how was your weekend? I know one of the things you live for is getting <laughs> out on your bike. <laughs> Did you do it? Um, yeah, I do this big um, ride with a bunch of guys on Saturday mornings. And yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it because it, they ride so fast that you can get dropped behind and then that's it. So it's just like, will I, won't I survive kind of scenario. <laughs> Wow, that's really living life on the edge, Tom. <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately on Saturday, I got a flat tyre 45 k's from home. Oh, no. No one waited what? for me. What? Just... Are these your friends? <laughs> Not really. It's more of a competitive sort of thing. So there I am on the side of the highway, 45 k's south of Sydney, just changing a tyre on my own, watching them all just ride away. And then I had to try and get back to the middle of Sydney and find some new friends to ride with. Otherwise, I was just like out on the highway a lone rider. Oh my gosh. So what was meant to be a couple of hours turned into a whole day affair. <laughs> no. Sounds I actually, amazing. I got to a servo, just waited, saw some guys that looked about the right speed and um, said, hey, do you mind if I ride back with you guys? <laughs> well, today on The Briefing, we have a man who was also desperate for an adventure, but a somewhat <laughs> bigger adventure. He was really keen to leave Australia, so much so that he waited for the New Zealand travel bubble to open and escaped via Auckland. I think it's a brutal policy to be just blanket ban, no negotiation, and then turning Australians against each other. I, I find that uh, disgusting, actually. More about Tim's story, and we'll also ask the Home Affairs Minister if they're going to close that loophole via New Zealand and why won't they let Australians leave their own country? There's a lot of countries over there that are in a deep crisis and we as a government have to be really conscious of that. That interview in just a moment. First, Katrina, the big headlines. Well, Israel has vowed to continue its war with the Palestinians and that's despite the UN now calling for an end to the conflict. The fighting risks dragging Israelis and Palestinians into a spiral of violence with devastating consequences. It has the potential to unleash an uncontainable security and humanitarian crisis and to further foster extremism. So that's the UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres speaking there at the opening of a meeting at the UN Security Council. Now, overnight, the Israeli PM, Benjamin Netanyahu, made a televised address promising that Israel's campaign was continuing at full force. Yesterday was the deadliest day of the campaign so far, with Israeli airstrikes on the Palestinian territory of Gaza killing 42 people, while Gaza has continued launching rockets at Israeli cities. I don't know if you saw that um, footage yesterday, Tom, of Israel absolutely destroying a building in Gaza, which housed a media outlet. They were given um, minutes to get out of there. Many of them were journalists, although Israel said that it was a key military installation. And watching the video too, because it was um, Al Jazeera Associated Press, watching video of the colleagues of the journalists inside, just watching that building crumble to the ground and not knowing if their friends and colleagues were still inside. Yeah, more than 180 Palestinians have been killed and 10 Israelis as well uh, in the violence that's been going for a week now. Commonwealth ministers have defended their continued border closures after some government MPs warned Australia was becoming a hermit nation. Yeah, Finance Minister Simon Birmingham has defended the government's position on Sky News. They remain a very important ongoing factor in how we don't just save Australian lives, but also how we save Australian jobs and businesses 
and secure our economic future. Yeah, so this is after a number of Liberal MPs who represent city seats yesterday Mm. told nine newspapers that borders should be opening quicker and Australians would be losing patience with those rules. Yeah, it was interesting to see those government MPs speaking out against their own government's policy on borders. I think a lot of people were surprised by the underlying assumption in last week's budget that we wouldn't be travelling till the middle of next year. Um, so you've got this small group of fairly moderate Liberal MPs speaking out about this. But at the same time, you've got a news poll out today saying uh, 73% of Australians support the government's tough position. I know. It just goes to show that there must be a real city-country divide with those figures. Interesting, too, that today we've got um, the PM and Anthony Albanese touring regional Queensland. That's where they've begun their unofficial start to this election campaign. And, Katrina, there's been some other interesting voices speaking out on the international border debate. The former Deputy Chief Medical Officer Nick Coatsworth has said we need to get rid of this false idol of COVID eradication, which is this... Um, I guess this reality we're living in with now where we don't have any COVID cases, basically, that he said this can't last forever, that once we're Mm. vaccinated, we need to reopen the borders and I guess get used to having COVID in our community, like living with it. Essentially, we can't go on with these closed borders forever. And that was backed by Brett Sutton. He didn't use a strong language as Nick Coatsworth because he's still in the job of Chief Medical Officer in Victoria. But yeah, interesting that some of the medics who've been providing the advice that has led the government's response are starting to join in on this debate. That's right. And and a lot of people saying too that there's um, vaccine hesitancy around as a result of us not opening our borders because people just don't see the point of Mm. rushing out and getting vaccinated when there's no international travel happening yet. Yeah, that's right. So the idea is that reopening travel should be linked to a vaccination strategy. That's what the New South Wales Treasurer has also been calling out for. So this all feeds into our discussion that we'll be having (laughs) in just a moment with uh, Karen Andrews, the Home Affairs Minister. The Prime Minister Scott Morrison has backed Qantas's decision to stop people boarding repatriation flights from India due to COVID positive tests and this is despite concerns. Those tests just weren't accurate. Importing COVID into the country, I don't think that's a very sensible or sound thing to do. This sort of testing is is required from all places where people are coming from into Australia. So around half the people scheduled to board that first Qantas repatriation flight back from India on Saturday were stopped from boarding after 46 tested positive for COVID, their close contacts also had to stay behind. Can you imagine how heartbreaking that must have been for Mm. them? Uh, The ABC later reporting, though, that at least three of those people came back negative after a second test and that the lab that was used for testing had already been stripped of accreditation in India. So three wrong out of 46, I guess, you know, they're erring on the side of caution there. Mm. So I think a lot of Australians would support the fact that these people weren't allowed onto the plane and increasing the risk inside our hotel quarantine once they got here. The Prime Minister said that the government is working closely with Qantas on a new pre-departure testing regime. Other news in that space, the Aussie cricketers, commentators, coaches, etc. from the IPL who are stuck in India and then the Maldives most recently are also expected to get back today, coming in via Perth and apparently not part of the cap on return travellers. Actually, they're over and above that. What a big day of celebrations. It is mask-free Monday in Sydney. Yeah, as of midnight last night, uh, singing and dancing uh, are also back. You'll no longer have to wear a mask on public transport and these restrictions are lifting. 
Even though authorities couldn't work out how the virus got from that case in hotel quarantine to the local man and his wife who went barbecue shopping. Yeah, it's still a huge mystery and it's still, I can't believe that it didn't spread even further mm. than it actually, um, it was contained just to, to those two people. Uh, the New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian took to Twitter yesterday, seems to be the way that they do things now on a Sunday, Tom, uh, to confirm rules on masks and gatherings would be lifted after no new local cases had been detected since that uh, positive result. And 20 Indonesian fishermen have been dramatically rescued off the coast of WA in an operation involving the Australian military and a Japanese vessel. Yeah, Australia received the alert from Indonesian authorities that the ship was sinking 1,200 kilometres west of Perth and they sprang into action. I don't know if you've seen it, but there is some incredible video footage of this. It is like some kind of an action scene from a big blockbuster movie with an ADF aircraft dropping life jackets down to the fishing boat and then they send lifeboats their way and then in comes a Japanese fishing boat to... uh, assist with that crew rescue before they are hoisted aboard a naval ship, HMAS Anzac. Yeah, that's amazing. And they saved all 20 lives. Yeah. And in the video, you can see that they only had like moments to spare because their boat was already halfway under as they got out. All right. Great story there. Um, Good news as well that they've all survived. Uh, In a moment, a dramatic escape via Auckland and the Home Affairs Minister. Right, so this briefing starts with a tale of, well, look, it's not quite a great escape, but it's definitely an escape. I stayed at an airport hotel. I did my COVID test. Um, I even spoke to New Zealand customs staff. I then did my COVID test. I waited for that. Once I'd done the COVID test, I then booked the flight to uh, Istanbul. I just walked through the e-gates, electronic gates there out of Auckland Airport, and they called for boarding, and off we went. I mean, it was just, oh, mate, it was, it was wonderful. It was magic. So that's an Australian man called Tim Burns. And Australia's tough border closure meant that he was stuck here for more than a year. He was four days away from going back to his partner and his life in Russia when the travel ban kicked in last March. So he was stuck. He says he then applied for an exemption to leave but got rejected. He was angry, he was depressed, he was outraged that he couldn't leave the country. He understood the strict rules about people coming in to Australia, but he couldn't understand why he couldn't leave. And then he had a thought bubble. I guess it was a thought bubble inspired by a travel bubble with New Zealand. I was lonely, my girlfriend was abroad. I was living with my parents in Tamworth. Things were very difficult. I'm watching the bloody media. I'm watching the, the vaccination mess-ups, each each promise falling apart. You know, and I just said, that's it. So I then began researching New Zealand. And I, and I was calling New Zealand consulates. I, I had done my own risk assessment, and that was it. And I had confirmed it by calling New Zealand uh, consulates, immigration, as, as things were developing. I'm watching it, and then I knew that they were not going to stop. I was determined to do it. I was going and that was it. So I then watched on April 6th. I waited for the first couple of flights to go and I said, I'm, I'm going, that's it. Very sad. I know that I can't you know, get back to Australia, but I did what I did through desperation. I think it's a, it's a brutal policy to be just blanket ban, no negotiation, and then turning Australians against each other. I, I find that disgusting actually. So that is Tim Burns' story. Katrina Blowers, isn't it a, a fascinating way of dealing with this problem? 
It is an incredible story. And you know, listening to that, I'm really amazed that more people haven't done exactly the same thing. Yeah. Well, we're about to speak to the Home Affairs Minister and we'll ask her how many other people have done this and whether they can even track that. Um, Tim's story just certainly raises that bigger, more obvious question. Why can't we leave the country? Yeah. And why, when the onus is on us, even returning, if we are paying for hotel quarantine, I mean, you know, if the spaces are available, then shouldn't we be able to make those decisions as to whether we are prepared to take that risk? Our tough stance is starting to look more and more like an outlier as the rest of the Western world in particular is opening up to travel as they roll out the vaccine much more quickly than we are. So we're going to put all of those questions now to the Home Affairs Minister, Karen Andrews. Has Tim done anything illegal by leaving the country via the New Zealand travel bubble? Look, it's certainly not something that we're encouraging people to do. And quite frankly, in um, in Tim's case, if he'd actually gone through the proper processes, filled out the forms, put in the information that was needed, then more than likely he would have had the exemption that he was looking for anyway. So I think it was just an unnecessary thing that he went through and um, and I'm not personally very impressed by his efforts. He says he went through the exemption application process and was rejected. Well, my understanding is he didn't provide all the information that was required. So is it the case that it's actually not illegal though? Look, we're, what we're saying to um, people, particularly with the travel bubble with uh, New Zealand is that's not what you should be uh, doing to get to other countries. Yes, we've opened up the travel bubble with um, New Zealand, but that is for travel between Australia and New Zealand. So are you saying there's nothing you can do to stop people doing this? At the end of the day, people will make their own decisions on what is appropriate action for them to um, them to be taking. And look, and I don't want to, in the course of this discussion, open up opportunities for people to try and circumvent the mm. system and put other Australians at risk, which is what they're doing. So there's no way in the world that I'm going to encourage that sort of behaviour because, it's, to be honest, it's pretty selfish. Do you know how many other people have done this kind of thing? Uh, Look, I don't. We don't have the stats on that at the moment. What we do know is the country that they're coming from to come back into Australia and um, we can track that information, but uh, we don't always have access to the information as to where they've travelled. So Tim was uh, echoing a a feeling that I think other people have as well. They're, They're frustrated that they can't leave the country. They understand that We need strict borders and and strict policies around who's coming in and managing the COVID risk and, you know, the the volume that we can handle with our our quarantine system. Mm. But they can't understand why they can't take their own risk in leaving. Yep. And look, I understand people's frustration. They want to go overseas, they want to travel, they want to experience a whole heap of things. You know, it's a great and fantastic world out there at the moment. Well, they also just want to see family and do really basic stuff as well. It's not like they're going on a Kentucky tour. Well... I don't mind the old Kentucky tour. It's a while since I've been on one, I've got to say, but I have been on a Kentucky tour, which actually... Well, it's a whole other conversation. You've been on one. I have. I have. It horrifies my children when I say that to them. But yeah, I have been on a Kentucky tour. (laughs) There's the scoop. Oh, yeah. It was really good, actually. But I don't talk about the detail. No, please don't. Please don't. (laughs) 
<laughs> this has gone down a complete other rabbit hole I wasn't Look, expecting. Yeah, so, sorry. So where were we? We were back with how... Um, well, how people wanting to go over for very legitimate reasons and, and just yep. it just doesn't seem fair that you can't choose your own risk to leave knowing yep. that it is hard to come back. I really do understand that. And the risk that I need to manage and the rest of the um, the governments need to, to manage is the risk of these people coming back with a COVID infection. But you, now, can contro- we, you can control that. We can control that um, with uh, hotel quarantine, effectively, and where we've got flights coming into Howard Springs in the, the Northern Territory. But there's a limit on the capacity to do that, and the states and territories have been very clear about their ability to be able to cope with um, people coming back. I guess for people listening who do have family overseas, are there any that are more likely to be granted than others? Look, um, there's provision for compassionate and compelling reasons. There's categories that are available for business travel, for example. And of course, if you're, if you're going uh, overseas or plan to go overseas because you can't get medical treatment that you need here in Australia, then that is an exemption category as well. We've got a lot of people travelling in and out of the country for very genuine reasons. There are, there are others that are just choosing to go in and out at their own will and we'll look at, um, at what the options might be. A lot of people were shocked by what we saw in the budget, which was this working assumption that travel wouldn't really recommence properly till the middle of next year. And at the same time, you've got Europe and the US really opening up. So people looking back at Australia from overseas are going, what on earth is going on there? Why is Australia lagging so far behind? Uh, Do you take some responsibility that this is to do with our slow vaccine rollout? Look, there's a lot of issues and I understand that people who want to get the vaccine and and, um, haven't been able to to get it would be frustrated. But I think there's also an issue with the number of people that don't want to get the vaccine now. So we've got some issues with people showing some reluctance to get vaccinated in the first place. So there are adequate supplies in Australia now. If you actually compare where Australia is in terms of its rollout with where other countries are, we're actually ahead of them. We're, We're doing better than Germany. We're doing better than um, New Zealand. Well, you can cherry pick the, you can cherry pick the countries that are doing it slowly, but there's lots of countries that are doing it much better. Wouldn't we want to be sort of at the top of the list rather than the bottom? Of course. I'm not making excuses because people should be able to get the the vaccine. Um, But there are good supplies in here at the moment. And to be honest, it was really very fortunate that we went down the path of of setting up uh, manufacturing facilities. In Australia, because if we hadn't done that, we would have been in a pretty difficult situation. Now, we've got a lot of things in, in place to try and deal with that. We've um, had a breakthrough with Moderna and being able mm. to access that coming through. So I understand people's frustration. I understand that they want to want as many people vaccinated as, as possible and they want to be able to, to travel. So Minister, I think, I, think, yep. I think what would quell the frustration a bit if there was more detail on the pathway and the timeline and I mm. think people are, are wanting leadership here. It feels like we're in this binary situation where it's like really strict borders with almost no travel or, you know, in 12 months' time reopening. But but what's in between? Where where are the steps in between? That's what I feel like we're missing from the government at mm. the moment, the, the leadership on how we move from where we are now to where we'll be in a year. And would that involve potentially um, loosening up the outbound travel as a step towards that, that greater reopening? I hear exactly what you're um, saying and I'm very sympathetic towards that. I mean, people need to see the light at the end of the tunnel because most people are pretty okay with, okay, we need to do this because the outcome will be that 
the borders are open and we will be able to travel and get um, onto life as we uh, used to live it. So it is very important that we set out what the strategy uh, is. So overall, from a government's point of view, it really is accessing as much of the vaccine as we possibly can here in Australia. We are running campaigns encouraging people to register to go and get the vaccine. But where are these halfway points or the midpoints on reopening the borders? Why aren't you saying to us, well, in, in three months' time, if, if this, this, this and this happens, we'll allow you this freedom. You know, that's what the Victorian government did when they needed to lead, you know, the people in Melbourne out of that lockdown. They said, these are what will start to wind back. Why aren't we hearing that about borders? Because um, of the impact of um, the pandemic in other nations. So we all know what's happening in India. That's very well known. There are other nations that um, are in the... It's already been reported in terms of uh, Nepal, Pakistan, Brazil. There's a lot of countries over there that are in a deep crisis at the moment. And we as a government have to be really conscious of that. Well, I'm sure you're not uh, just copying heat from people like us asking you questions. Probably every dinner party and barbecue you're going to, you're getting the, <laughs> the same yeah. kind of questions Look, at the moment. So I feel yeah. for you on that front. It's okay, I don't go out much. No. <laughs> not the um, Kentucky touring party animal you once were, Karen Andrews. <laughs> I learned a lot from my days on a Kentucky tour, let me tell you. <laughs> let's, let's get into that another time, Karen. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. It's yeah, a pleasure. Thank you. That was Karen Andrews, the Home Affairs Minister. So she stepped into that job recently after Peter Dutton moved into Defence. She's quite a character, isn't she? I love the... Yeah, (laughs) didn't mind, Karen. I love her love of the Kentucky tour. Very, very proud of it. (laughs) Indeed. And um, it's interesting because the space that she's in now, like what a tough space to step into, first of all. But an interesting side note to this, Tom, is that people are saying that it's because of our closed borders internationally that there's vaccine hesitancy because people are thinking with all of the controversy around AstraZeneca, why would I be rushing to get a vaccine when there's no real reason or real risk? And it all goes hand in hand, doesn't it? And that has been Scott Morrison's point as well, that those countries that have rolled it out quicker are countries who are facing a greater threat. So it was a different trade-off. They go hand in hand, though, so it is a, it is a, a tricky symbiotic relationship. Good on you for putting the pressure on her there for coming up with just even some midway steps, because that's what people want. Mm. And surely between now and a complete relaxation of international borders, we are going to see some more travel bubbles. It'd be nice to get some, um, some certainty around some of that. I've got to say, though, as, as much as Karen Andrews seemed empathetic to those frustrations... She didn't give us much. She didn't really no. give us a pathway. That There wasn't much there to, to work with. So I still think there's a lot of work for the government to really show leadership in this space. All right, and after that interview with the Home Affairs Minister, Karen Andrews, we reached out to the Department of Home Affairs to get the actual numbers of people who've left the country. Um, the minister didn't have them in the interview, but promised to give them to us, and they did. So between the 25th of March 2020 and the 30th of April 2021, 144,000 Australian citizens and permanent residents were given exemptions to depart Australia. Um, That seems like a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, and it really makes you wonder whether Tim really did go through the process properly um, before he decided Mm. to leave Auckland. And tomorrow on the briefing, the absolutely devastating mouse plague in Western New South Wales, um, there's a new proposed solution, a very strong bait, We'll find out if the mice are going to take it.
Listener.